Hi everybody and welcome to Who Am I podcast. This is William from Who Am I podcast together with Stephen discussing today our motivations for uh, putting together this podcast, for discussing questions around personal identity and why we chose this medium and what is important to us about having this creative output for you. So enjoy our discussion. Why we um, think that having a chat together is worth doing, sharing. actually recording and sharing. Yeah, and that's again because we both um, like to broaden our perspectives on different subjects, mm-hmm. and this is a good platform for doing that. Yeah, I've noticed that. Well, when I had the idea for the podcast, I thought, who who could I do this with? And you're the first and only name that came to my mind. <laughs> Um, I have had good chats with other people, obviously, but not as consistently. And since yeah. we've made an effort to keep in touch, uh, since we left Scotland five, four or five years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2014. One of those. Um, yeah. We have managed to keep up, uh, to keep in touch every few months at least. Yeah. Well, that's uh, pretty impressive, actually, when you think about it, actually. Yeah. yeah that's been, yeah, that's been, yeah, well done us. <laughs> <laughs> And the the meat of our chats has not become less. It's, uh, no, it hasn't. Yeah, because I feel uh, pretty well understood when I share my thoughts with you. Um, Likewise. Likewise. So that's yeah, that's valuable. I don't want to leave. Yeah, there's that. no, there's no, again, no pressure, no criticism, no like um, judgment when we just chat. Because often when people have discussions, it suddenly becomes a right and wrong or uh like my view is more important type discussion yeah i especially don't like the phrase i disagree because that immediately separates us and and when i say that oh i i don't agree (laughs) it's like uh your opinion doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) and that's that is spot on actually that's that's that was what was going through my mind over the last few days about what i want to talk about was that in the fact that people seem to think they can't absorb someone's opinion on mm. something. They feel very strongly that they have to reject it because mm. it conflicts with their own. And that's, yeah. not how, that's not how things, in my opinion, how things work. Because if the more opinions you absorb, again, the more you're able to understand others. You don't have to believe them. You don't have mm. to agree with them. But you can absorb them and adopt them into your own uh, psyche or soul or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that you understand it, their point of view, um, in a way that is, again, loving and not just a dismissal. Yeah, I think most people are capable of that. Oh, definitely. I'm sometimes offended when I hear other people's opinions and I might need to retreat. But when I feel I'm in a safe place where I can no longer be, let's say, attacked or, you know, put in in an uncomfortable um, conflict situation then I can process it and not feel threatened that moment. And then I can be more rational about it, which is not always possible in the, in the moment um, that I'm confronted with something, you know, especially when it's a heated discussion, which I don't like in general. Yeah. Again, there's no need for a heated discussion. Yeah. Like, it's, it just seems to be something that happens that some, suddenly someone gets defensive about a topic 
and we forget that you can just pause and go, okay, let's stop, it's becoming heated. Let's come back to this. We don't want it to be heated, it's just our natural, maybe it's our natural um, defense mechanism kicking in. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't, again, people don't necessarily have that wall in their brains or haven't learned to. Again, it's, it's like price practice, you know. I didn't, or I've often got into many a heated discussion in the past because life is an ongoing process and not been able to go, hang on a minute, take a step back. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's very important in discussions. Just pause, like, okay. Yeah, that's what real discussions should be like. It's sad to see in the media, um, say with political discussions, the, the channels, the, the platforms just love controversy and fighting. <laughs> and and it's, it's also quick. It's also fast, yeah. and you've got to answer things in two seconds. And I was watching the Joe Rogan show mm-hmm. podcast, yeah. and it, he, they had Bernie Sanders on. Uh-huh. I saw and that. It was, yeah, you saw that as well. It was an amazing discussion. Yeah. And he was discussing, how, he was talking about, about how you have these like, debates that are just literally there for, a, a, it's just a farce. Yeah, they call it a sound bite. Yeah, you don't get time to um, actually discuss in a nice way um your policies yeah the nuances there's no room for nuances uh and bernie only had one hour time for joe rogan (laughs) only uh joe can talk to people for for three hours like uh, jordan peterson he he loves talking to him i think he's had him on twice so yeah that's that's um, the number one podcast i heard is it well good it's really um, he's very, he's a lot of people. Yeah, he's really good. Again, he just he brings in lots of different perspectives. Yeah, he doesn't judge. He doesn't condone in certain, in that sense. He just yeah. he, hangs he out has, with some people. He has an opinion on things. Like, oh yeah, the things he's passionate about. But he can just be diplomatic and really interested in a loving way, like you said. And he's respectful. He gets on people and from listen. all kinds of parts of the spectrum. Hmm? And what were you going to say? Oh uh, yeah, it's coming out a little bit. Um, oh, I'm not sure why, but yeah, he he can listen. Right. He just sits there, and every so often he just throws in his little two cents worth. But yeah. his guest, he's he's there to hear what his guests have to say. Um, yeah. And the listeners, he knows the listeners are there for that as well. Someone is not. People are not interested in your opinion until they feel like you're interested in theirs. And they feel understood and listened to. Yeah, That's something I, I read. <laughs> I, I can't really say that from experience a lot. I just try. I try to be aware of other people's opinions and just, yeah, it's not easy to give them your attention and understanding, but it certainly makes for better relationships. Yes, listening is a difficult skill. Like I, I am rubbish at it. I am really bad. Like I waffle. I am quite happy to, again, discuss a topic, a situation. And then I'll ask a question or something, and that person will have, like, 30 seconds. And then I'll be like, oh, they say something really interesting, and I'll start going off on one again. <laughs> and I'm just, like, need to learn just to be quiet. Is it an attention thing, or do you just love the sound of your own voice? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, I'm just excited 
to just share what's going on. Like they, 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 somebody else will say something and I'll just be like, oh, something will trigger in my brain that I think is interesting and therefore want to share because I'm worried if I don't say it now, it'll be gone. Mm. And then I won't remember it or something like that. That's probably what's going on. Again, it's subconscious in a way. Yeah. Um, and there are signals like when you take a breath because you want to say something, they, they will see that. At least most people will be aware of that. But if they still talk, then I think, I, I guess they believe what they have to say is more important. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I think the best, the best conversations are when you're willing to sacrifice what you want to say and, and then just adapt to what the, what the other person says. And yeah, it's not always easy. It's not. Again, it's asking questions as well, isn't it? It's being able to mm -hmm. know what questions to, to ask people um, when just having discussions. Like, like things like, you know, what's your opinion? Um, how do you feel about this? Those kind of things. Um, I also think a lot of my waffleness, if that's even the word, <laughs> comes from I spend a lot of time with quiet people. You're a waffle maker. Yeah, I'm a waffle maker. It's true. I like it. My brain is a waffle maker. <laughs> so you spend time with who? Uh, lots of quiet people. Okay. So people, people, people that tend to be um, not as like outgoing as maybe the popular group of people, like the masses, and um, therefore sometimes in the past I felt the need to be the one who chats even though I'm quite happy to sit back and not in a social environment, if everyone's just not talking and no one's saying anything, that feels very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It feels like something's wrong, something's not right. Or actually, it's just enjoying each other's presence. Yeah. But there usually has to be something to be, you're doing something. Like if you're all together, you know, you're watching a film or you're on the computer or you're playing board games, you know, you don't have to necessarily talk to each other during that. Mm -hmm. But if you're just sitting there, I don't know, having drinks or whatever, then it can be, yeah, it can be quite difficult to know what to say um, and how to maintain conversation. Yeah, sometimes it's just a mental pause, just uh, reflecting on what was said. <laughs> I always love when, when someone comes in and it's like, they're the person that can call, sort of like, uh, navigate the conversation and the dynamic in the group because mm -hmm. then I can just sit back and I don't have to but can sort of just bounce off that person yeah um, it can be nice it can also be that they take over too much control and then the whole dynamic gets ruined where everyone had a good share in the conversation yeah when someone has a personality that's too big for the rest of the circle actually. Hmm? Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. Sorry. Well, I'll see, exactly. I'm doing exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Should shall we move on to another topic? Well, I was um, the link in my brain was talking of an example of that dominating conversation um, in a group setting is Dungeons and Dragons of all mm -hmm. things. So that's really popular at the moment. Like it's made an absolute comeback in the last like mm. four or five years. Um, where pen and paper everyone, version in person? 
uh, in person, online, hmm. uh, again, broadcasting it, like Twitch streaming it, YouTube streaming it. If you go onto YouTube and type in D&B, there are hundreds of um, shows because um, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. The social dynamic of that is that you have one person guiding the story scenario, and then you have four people plus, or maybe three, depending on the dynamic. And in that social situation, yeah, if there's one person that dominates the whole thing, it can be a completely different, different game to if it's an even spread. You have the other dynamic of the dungeon master or games master it's their job to actually negotiate that to make sure that one person isn't dominating things. So it throws in a whole new social um, structure. Um, And I know people have fallen out in Dungeons and Dragons and um, got upset because one person is trying to control the situation to make sure everyone, like DM, is trying to make sure everyone's having the same amount of fun. But the big personality... And they're enjoying it, you know, they're allowed to enjoy it, they're allowed to have fun, be happy and whatever else. But it's those social clues of being aware that other people can get involved. Um, how often do you play? Do you meet once a week with your friends? Um, I, have, I, played a li- I play a little bit at the moment with my brother, Ben. Mm-hmm. But I've just finished up a two-year campaign. So, did you get that as well, did you? Come up with yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just finished a two-year campaign. Um, weirdly, with somewhere up between fifteen and twenty people. What online? Yeah. Well, so originally there's about thirteen of us in our games group who wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, and I was like, "Eh, let's see what happens." I hadn't DM'd before. I hadn't done it, but I thought, you know what? I always go for the extremes, so I'll try it. And it worked reasonably well, but it was a difficult dynamic because, again, people weren't getting enough time. I was constantly having to jump to different people a lot. And then I split it off into... More people jumped in, more people came along, and I split it off into three groups of five or six. Hmm. And then a group of one, because the story had one sort of, inverted commas, bad person, which was my brother as his character. And then the other groups were on the quest to try and stop him all in the same sort of timeline, but different countries. Um, So so that was a social dynamic nightmare, but (laughs) lots of fun. In hindsight, I'll never do it again. Um, And it took two years to go through the whole story, the whole adventure? Yeah, I mean, some adventures never never stop. So D&D is this weird one where you can have, the campaign can last a year, it can last 10 years, depending on the group of people, depending on the story. Most pre-made things from Wizards of the Coast who make D&D um, I think a year maybe if you do it every week or two wow. it might last like, I know Curse of Strahd um, that's quite a long one I think so now, does, does that mean the Dungeon Master has to keep building the world? so uh, yes if it's, if it's their own world yes if it's the pre-made one they have a general sense of how the world is okay. and they kind of just use the resources that you've got given Mm. you've been given um for that but yeah going back to the point uh the social dynamic of that is is fascinating um trying to listen again listen to people um let them have their time nice i've been uh i've been studying a bit about gamification and how central games are to learning and how hopefully um, 
the education system, you know, schools for children will adapt and oh, recognize yeah. that being told to shut up, sit down and listen is not productive. No. And that there's nothing wrong with you if you can't sit still and listen for hours to something that is not exciting for you. And, and how you can actually use games, simple games, complex games, board games, video games, to convey all the things you need in uh, traditional schooling. So I'm excited uh, about um, becoming aware of that. Um, and I wonder what things you learn, because games aren't interesting unless you learn. So you, I think you were saying that the social dynamics are interesting, um, but what else have you learned just from games like D&D? Um, the, there's a lot of studies going on, I'm assuming studies and discussion going on about how this helps, especially in D&D and role-playing games, because it gives you a way to, again, learn social situations that are technically fictional and there's no consequence really to it. Mm -hmm. So you can help develop your social skills in that manner. A lot of teenagers right now are really getting onto it, especially in America. Um, D&D clubs, groups, like Stranger Things has really blown that up as well mm -hmm. because the TV show Stranger Things is basically based on D&D stuff mm. um, and has really blown up that ability to learn through a story. You know, we've had story through acting a story, not just reading a story. Mm -hmm. You know, people love to see it at theater or read it or see it on TV or the cinema. This gives you a very immersive experience where you can learn anything. Like you literally just, you can learn the social skill, you can learn how you feel about good and evil or how you um, would feel in a bar brawl or like it can get really emotional because you get attached to your character. So you're playing your character. And if your character gets injured or your party members get injured, you go through emotional learning mm. through those experiences. And it is just brilliant. Like, but it's like a flight simulator, right? There's, yeah. there's no risk of, say, physical harm. Yeah. But you get the real experience. Yeah. yeah. And again, if, you're, if DM's doing it right and you're doing it right as a group, there's no like, risk for social or like, psychological um, or emotional damage because you're with friends, you're in a comfortable situation and there should be no judgment and just having fun. You can be as silly as you want. Like you can just let loose. You don't have to hide. You can explore aspects of your own personality through another character if you want to, without realizing a lot of people do because they're not out and about and gonna feel judged. They'll just say, you know, it's the character, but actually they might be actually just exploring part of themselves. Um, and then D&D also has the element where it's just fun and you can just kill everything. And that tends to be what happens to start off with, where you get a party come in and you put a scenario in front of them. And instead of like negotiating or being diplomatic, it's just because it's a fictional world, they're like, we draw our bows and our swords and we go and kill. <laughs> you have that fun in, element. In D&D, you say a lot what you do, right? I mean, yes. it's a video yeah. game maybe. But when you're with a group of friends in person, or yes. I guess you, you say, I do this, which is not normal speech. No. That, that's interesting. You, you have the third person as well. You can say the person's name oh. or your character's name. So okay. you say, like, um, Sam does that. Sam is upset. Sam cries. Sam, whatever, yeah. if that's the character's name. Um, you could turn that into a book. 
if you record what everyone says, <laughs> especially yeah. when it's in the third person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, the podcasts, like, um, there's oh, the podcasts where you just follow someone's game. Yeah, like that, that's that's what there is on YouTube. If you type into YouTube, if you type okay. it into Twitch, um, I got into the audio stuff about again about five or six years ago, maybe a bit more. And there again, there's so many just fun games, and you're just listening to them play. They just listen to them play. Like um, cool. the main one that I listen to is Acquisitions Incorporated. They're the Wizards of the Coast, the guys that make it mm -hmm. um, their own um, official D and D team, I guess. They have other ones as well. But this one started off as just a little podcast. Two of the players, I don't think even had played D&D before. It's been going for about 10 years. Wow. And then they got to the point after a few years where they did it at conventions on, in, on stage in front of people. In costume? And yeah, in, in, sometimes in costume. <laughs> and Will Wheaton was involved in a few of them. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so much fun and entertaining. and. Again, you learn like you do for any um, fictional medium, really. Um, the whole catharsis thing. I don't like it when um, when people say, "Well, what does that have to do with the real world?" That that doesn't prepare you for anything uh, really important. But I mean, reality is what you make of it, first of all. Yeah. And and a game or a movie, for that matter, uh, no matter how fictional it is. It's only interesting as long it ha as it has some relation with the real world. If it were totally disconnected from it, totally abstract, it would not be interesting. <laughs> you wouldn't know what's going on and how is this a story? So there's always some parallel and, yeah. and some stories um, are more distant from the world we know than others, but that's just how stories a, work. Yeah, which is a perfect seg segue that will probably be part of every podcast, the fact that I'll mention Dune at least once in <laughs> sure. everything, okay. which is, the, the segue is, is that that's why a lot of people struggle with Dune, because it's so different mm -hmm. and so outside of what we understand or think we understand um, in its environment, and its universe. But once you start scratching the surface, you start to see the commonalities of the, the human experience. Um, it's why a lot of people like read the first few chapters and just put it down because it's like what the hell there's yeah. just so many different words used and yeah. factions it's not just names it's actually the, vocabulary the political, the political structure the vocabulary yeah, yeah. um and as you and again that loops back into the fact that most stories yeah they do have a they'll they the good ones the great ones um have the common um human experiences within them yeah yeah even when people have special abilities it's not too foreign because well we would all like to have some special abilities but you can still use some of your imagination to see what it's like to read people's thoughts or fly or whatever yeah. again it's the, it's, the, it's the emotional experience isn't it it's the yeah you call it catharsis right yeah uh, I, I read once in in some maybe on your homepage where you say that catharsis is one of the, the reasons you like uh, fantasy media yeah. in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it that's similar to the gaming. Hmm? Sorry, go on. And that's similar to the gaming experience we were just talking about. It's virtual, yes. but it's also real. Yeah. And that leads back to what we said at the start to do with um, 
Oh man, it just went. My memory just lost it. Um, what are we talking about human experience. Um, that's really annoying. I had it. I had a really good like. <laughs> okay. Well, back another question. Maybe you'll get back to it. Yeah. Um, as an author of fantasy, is do you have a certain goal for your readers? Is is there something Never. rewarding for you if they manage to do something interesting with by reading your books? Um, I never really, maybe I should start, but I never really have a, the readers in mind. It sounds very selfish, but it's my experience. Like writing the story is for me, has always just been, what would I like to read? Like mm -hmm. if, 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 if like the ideas come into my brain and I just write them in a way that if someone else had written the story, I would pick it up and just be absorbed into it. Um, and I just hope that, you know, other people enjoy them too kind of thing. That's always kind of been my... Like I just weirdly haven't in the past I've been a very overthinking human being, and I still am in many ways. But when it comes to stuff like that, I just do it. I just write it out and take the concepts and roll with them. Like it sounds really pretentious as like and annoying, but the story tends to kind of just write itself. And nice. like I've been very fortunate with that where they just they just flow. Stream of um, consciousness. Yeah. There's a lot of editing involved, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of corrections mm -hmm. that need to be made afterwards. There's a lot of um of that. Um, but the sort of the initial um outline, I don't necessarily think about who's gonna read this or how they're gonna respond. And again, maybe I should, maybe I should be more conscious of that. There's been stuff that's happened with certain stories. I mean don't let it ruin your recipe. <laughs> no, something's working for you. Yeah, it feels like it is. It feels like it is. Um, it's a slow industry, so mm -hmm. um, currently the process of just yeah waiting for a revamp of all all my work, pretty much. So until that happens, I'm pretty much uh, just working on projects and not really doing anything in terms of promoting and marketing. Mm. Um, but the okay. reader, yeah, the reader experience and the catharsis, it's it tends to, I think I try to write them, well, when I write, I think I write in a way that people can interpret it however they want. So it's ambiguous and open enough that a lot of what goes on, you can pick and choose how you respond to it for your own like perspective. Because yeah. often a story can be like, okay, this is how it is, this is what's going to happen, this is what's good, this is what's bad. Blah, blah blah but i think a lot of what i write i think will bite will polarize people people will read it and be like okay that's cool blah blah because they've seen it as that way or other people be really offended or be like oh this is rubbish because that's what they've projected onto it that they've chosen to see that side of the story right like rather than the whole you write offensive things um not offensive in that like the interpretation like so the, we talked about um, the Frankenstein story earlier. Mm -hmm. um, in the Diary of V. Frankenstein, I deal with equality and gender roles mm -hmm. and um, those kind of topics. And again, I won't get into it now because it's not time for that discussion. Maybe okay. in the future. But yeah. um, it caused a bit of dis uh, difficulty between the editors and myself and the publisher mm. to try and get it to where it needed to be. Um, did you have to because, push for it to happen the way you wanted? Um, 
yeah, and I also had to be humble enough to accept that I was wrong at various points and uh, make sure that I was keeping my mind open again to how readers will respond to things. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that the interpretation should be one way, um, or I see an interpretation that I hope other people will see is probably a good way of putting it, um, isn't going to necessarily mean that they do see it. Um, so I have to actually be a bit, learn to be a bit more um, specific in the plot and think about um, who's, go- who's this actually being written for and who's going to read this um, and actually think about that more because in the past, as I say, I haven't. So actually consciously thinking about it will make sure there are no obvious contradictions because mm. you can contradict if you're trying to do a theme and then you end up without realizing it contradicting it mm-hmm. through characters or through um, the experiences, then it can be look very bad as a writer. Yeah. You can look like an idiot. And people love to point that out. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, maybe you could do something on social media to get more feedback on what your readers think about your stories. I mean, if you want to go that way, again, don't do anything to to kill the the thing that works. <laughs> yeah, well, like um, as I say, this is like this is part of a discussion, like um, another sort of half an hour worth of waffling on my part, just to um, I guess discuss that story and what happened in that story and how, like, in terms of um how it led to me having these discussions with the editors mm-hmm. about the content and if you're trying to f- cover a certain theme so i think that yeah for another time definitely yeah yeah how about can... you like what are your mediums for like social like i, I guess out- creative output i guess you do coding mm. and stuff and yeah um, well i haven't been creative in a while but when I do have some leftover energy, um, yeah, I, I like some programming. I uh, let's see. About a year ago, I was trying to um, gather all the uh, exercises I did as a student of computer science, and it was difficult to find all the code left over in Dropbox folders, emails. Um, and some of the software had moved on so that it was no longer compatible. But then I thought, no, I, it's fine for that to be in the past. I, I recovered some of it and it was interesting. Made me a bit nostalgic for the days of studying. I wish I could be a student my whole life. Yeah. Um, so, no, uh, up till now I haven't um, felt the need to produce much. But now, um, starting a new phase. Uh, yeah. This is a big uh, step for me to do a podcast. So far, I've just been soaking up everything. Uh, yeah. Some people like to call me a sponge because I just love to learn all kinds of things. And so that's been reading and uh, also the last few years, YouTube, since I realized, wow, there's a lot more information out there than what television offers you. <laughs> oh, yeah. More diverse and, and more tailored towards what i think personally is valuable so a few three years ago i developed an interest in politics and that was never there before so now i guess you could say my my output is or i have a need now to talk to people about politics and there's not a lot of opportunity for that i mean with people who are open 
even though they have a different perspective than I do. But whenever I can, I mention it and, uh, and see what happens, what response I get. For example, on Friday, I asked my colleagues, did any of you do anything or think about anything because it was September 11th, two days ago? And they said, mm, not really. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just that it was on the news a bit. And I said, yeah, well, on the alternative news channels that I watched, there was quite a lot about it, uh, but not in the sense of let's, let's have a moment of silence, but let's, um, let's go through all the evidence again that shows that the attacks yeah. in, in Manhattan were not just a few people from a, a cave in, in the Middle East, but a yeah. huge... <laughs> There is a lot of discussion around that, yeah. Yeah, and it, it should never stop because it's still buried and suppressed and not enough people know the truth about what actually happened and just how many institutions and governments were involved in it. Anyway. <laughs> well, a good idea would be to, um, next, next discussion, mm -hmm. uh, politics and then a bit of my book stuff in terms of um, themes and how they relate to um, I guess how as a creator you relate, you write, you create things for yourself and for your audience. Mm -hmm. so you can discuss some politics stuff um, yeah. together. We can we can discuss. You can if you want to. Again, just an idea. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the topic, like I, I described the topic, the main topic of the whole podcast on the homepage as we're discussing questions around personal identity because of that, that that's what the question "Who am I?" is about. Um, yeah. Not like who the heck am I, but rather like <laughs> yes. of, of all the things that people uh, tell themselves about their identity, like what applies to me? How do yeah. I feel about what I am, who I am, um, in relation to the world, other people, the environment? So, like the Greeks, topics. yeah, the Greeks had it good with all their uh, philosophy, and it was above the temple at Delphi. In, I don't know, 600 BC or whatever, whereas the whole, where the phrase know thyself comes from. So this constant um, desire to know thyself, to know who we are, who am I. Uh, the other phrase was, I think it's like everything in moderation, something along those lines. Also by the Greeks, you mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was at the Temple of Delphi um, okay. and it was written above it. So those two phrases, know thyself. And the, I, the translation, I think, is something along the lines of, uh, like everything in moderation or nothing in excess, that sort of um, yeah. phrase. So yeah, the know thyself is, is one of my favorite things ever because it's it's all we do as humans. We just constantly try to understand who we are. That's right. In many different ways. Like you're the artist. You, uh, I guess you express, right? Would you to. say you, you express... Yeah. Uh, uh, along your your quest for knowledge about yourself you uh yeah I, I like that your your goal is not to entertain people or to make money or to tell people what they should be yeah it's just a thing you do for you yeah and if it can help you uh, support yourself financially then that's great <laughs> i say hey, that'd be nice <laughs> Again, it's, it's exploring these, always like, like the podcast, the plan of the podcast is to explore just many mm -hmm. different topics. That's what I do with my writing. Yeah. Like what one set of books is more philosophical and draws on religion in a sort of uh, fantasy setting. And then one set is like steampunk 
mixed with um, again the who am I and the equality concept and um, the different perspectives around equality. Mm. Um, and then I've got another one that's just like solely, I think, just going to end up being all fantasy and not actually thinking too much about concepts and just literally just be a, a crazy adventure story. So again, it's many different ways of uh, like a podcast or like a story. All art, all art is the same, really. Yeah, I guess and, true art, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> and I'm not so much the artist, uh, but pieces of media that have influenced me a lot uh, and not made me what I am, but have resonated with me. Yeah. Uh, I've also had to do with the question, who am I? And that's uh, the Matrix movies. Yes. Especially the yeah. first one. Yeah. I remember how that really got to me. Um, and, and science fiction in general, that, that's my favorite genre. Uh, because it, it shows that there is value in, in thinking about questions that we don't ask ourselves every day when we go shopping or working. We just live, we just survive. But I think life, for life to be more valuable, um, you should explore more, deeper. And uh, that's, that's not always easy when there's no time or energy left for it. But... Yeah. In, in movies, since they're entertaining and, and uh, a good source has, of, of education as well. That, but it has to be fun. Like yes. you talked about earlier, where it's, like, the, it's the play thing and the, yeah. um, we learn through uh, playing games and stuff. It has to, people, you know, switch off or get bored if it's too, uh, like if a discussion is too in-depth or too detailed. But if you can weave that into fun things, for them again everyone has their own kind of fun because like my fun sometimes is having the massive theological discussion the last hours and then other times i just want to you know play a board game or D, &D which can explore something else or whatever i don't know what's going to be explored um it is always trying to be conscious of everyone else's different fun i guess um and like meaning of life like that kind of concept because some people do just want to drift through life they don't actually yeah. want to um explore other things and who's who are we to tell them they have to yeah um, or yeah but i think there are a lot of people out there who want to that's a, i think that's a key thing as well is that they want to discuss these things but again it's not always they can't find the right people to discuss them with right yeah it's we're we're very isolated and we don't realize how much we have in common and how uh we're not alone at all but it takes some risk to, to oh, yeah. someone and, and just yeah. open up about things that can be very private, can be hurtful to share. Um, oh, yeah. But it can be very rewarding if it works out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, the honesty behind it. It's hard. The trust, trust and honesty. But I think that's what we have. I think that's pretty much what we have. We have a trust and an honesty where we can just discuss um, things, life and fun things and things that we enjoy. Thank you for listening to that discussion between me, William, and Stephen. 
and come back in about one or two weeks for our next episode when we talk about further questions around personal identity. Our homepage is whomipodcast.com. See ya!